fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Knight, at Falcoholic Kevin, joined for the first time by one of the young up-and-comers of Falcons Twitter. He is Daniel Flick at DFlickDraft. I did check in with Daniel before the show to make sure we're not violating any labor laws by having him on here. Uh, and so that's good. We got the big thumbs up there from Daniel. So uh, now that we've gotten that out of the way, Daniel, how are you doing today? You know what? Eric Robinson had a, I think he said yesterday, I'm doing, and I could not relate more at this point. It's, it's yeah. late in the week. It's been a long week, you know, a lot, a lot going on. But you know what? We're, uh, we're having fun with it uh, three weeks away from the draft. Exactly. So fun times for sure. Glad to be on. Absolutely. Well, we're glad to have you guys. Daniel, for those of you that don't know, uh, Falcons writer over at Falcon Report FN on SI now. Also an NFL draft writer for ATB Network. Love those guys too. And of course, the co-host of the 404 The Falcon podcast show. Is it a podcast or a show or both? Yeah, it's a podcast. podcast. Okay. I just, I've, I've seen the podcast before, but I didn't know if there was like a video element because, you know, I'm the king of just having four versions of everything. But <laughs> no, no, right now we're a very inconsistent podcast. I, I will say that for sure. It's very, the best way. It's the best way to start. Yeah. You got to keep the, keep the audience up. guessing. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Drive up the hype. There you go. <laughs> exactly. So we're going to get into it with Daniel today, guys. Obviously, the title of the episode is Falcons NFL Draft Strategy, but I do want to get Daniel's thoughts sort of on the offseason and the quarterback quote-unquote controversy depending on where you sit on that spectrum i guess um and then of course lots of draft talk but let's let's start there because that's nothing gets people you know fired up on the twitters more than the quarterback discussion right now so to get that engagement let's go ahead and start the show off with that uh so you know are you do you give the falcons a d minus for their offseason uh because they did not pursue lamar jackson (laughs) oh yeah no i honestly i woke up just peeved about it just irate no no i mean i'm so mad yeah furious i like flipping tables and stuff no but like actually i the way that it felt the whole off season is that ritter would get the nod to me is just kind of the the direction that it felt like it was heading towards you know shrine bowl combine all that stuff and to me as a as a team building enthusiast i always lean towards letting the rookie quarterback have a chance right and i feel like ritter showed enough progress to where he was worth it was worth investing in him for at least the 2023 season um, and then reevaluating, reevaluating again next year. And so to me, that was always for me, the, the preferred approach. Um, and, you know, Lamar, great player, obviously, but, you know, Arthur Blank for as much of, you know, some of his comments have kind of blown up for uh, the wrong reasons. A few of his comments about Lamar and the cap and how he'd take up a quarter of the cap and, you know, whether the actual percentage would be that high, you know, maybe not, but close enough. It, it really was logical. Um, and again, I, even if Ritter doesn't end up hitting, the way that I view it is you've got a really good roster now built around him, or at least an, an improving roster around him uh, to set up a, a, a encouraging 2024, if nothing else, if Ritter ends up not taking the step that a lot of people feel that he can. And so, uh, you know, I'm not losing sleep overnight about Lamar Jackson not being a Falcon. Uh, I think they did the right thing. Um, and I, I would, I would say a D minus is definitely quite harsh from the football outsiders people. That was a little extreme, uh, but yeah, they should give a D minus to the CEO for not paying those guys, by the way, the, uh, the football outsiders guys, even though yeah. I don't agree with that article, uh, they deserve to be paid for that article, even if I don't personally yeah. agree with it. Uh, so champion gaming, get off your ass and go pay those guys already. Uh, they deserve something. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, but yes, I mean, ultimately 
the Lamar saga started so, you know, so fun. Like I would, I would tease it, you know, after a really bad Falcons game midseason. Like you know, there's like a slight chance maybe they could trade for Lamar, you know, because this, this could fall apart. And back then, I was enjoying myself. Now I, I, I'm no longer enjoying myself. It's it's gotten, it's gotten to the point where people are just like sort of wish casting it into existence. Like, well, you see, this is actually five dimensional chess by the Falcons. <laughs> they have Arthur Blank out there, uh, you know. Arthur, we love you, but, you know, really, like, bending over backwards with these comments, trying to, you know, which maybe just don't say anything next time, Arthur. I mean, I, I appreciate him trying to give us something, but maybe just don't say that next time. But, um, like, generally, you don't have the owner involved in this sort of smokescreen. Uh, typically, it's it's more the, the coaches <laughs> and the general manager <laughs> pulling that off. So, uh, but it, it doesn't seem to have calm down the the the, uh, no. the cries for Lamar from certain sections of the fan base love you guys but you know maybe calm yeah. down um but it n- certainly not from the national media so do you think there's anything like do you think this is gonna follow us all the way until Lamar like signs his tender with the Ravens basically at this point it has to like I, I mean I don't know what more the Falcons or anybody else has to do when you've got the head coach, the general manager, and the owner all saying that they are going to start Ritter at quarterback next year. And you still have people, national media fans alike, who are saying, no, nah, it'll be Lamar. I don't really know who else. I don't know. I, you know what? I guess they want the official Kevin Knight source Falcons are starting Ritter. Maybe it's that. Maybe they need the uh, the old Kevin Knight stamp of approval. But uh, Apparently. No. <laughs> it's uh, – I don't really know what more the Falcons could do to voice that they're going to be be starting Ritter next year without people until people understand that like it's actually that's what they're planning on doing. That's how they're approaching the whole offseason from here. So at this point, if it hasn't stopped, it probably won't until Lamar is actually a Baltimore Raven again for a long period of time or, you know, wherever else you might go. A Colt, apparently, maybe a Colt. But um at this rate, I've, I've I've lost a lot of faith. I, I will say that <laughs> I've lost some faith in the saga ending at any point. Yeah, it's it's gonna stick with the team for a while, but you as fans can move on from it uh, because it, it. I mean, every, to I remember it was last week where I was I tweeted out, you know, oh yeah, they're they're down to like close to nine million, so like we could probably put the Lamar thing to bed now. Like they're you know they're probably mostly done with free agency. They're probably mostly done with this stuff and they can't really make any sort of Lamar offer that the Ravens couldn't match. And the people were like, well, Kevin, if they max restructure, you know, Jake Matthews and max restructure somebody else and trade some people, they could still, you know, do this. It's like, well, you got me there guys. You got me. So uh, technically you're right. Technically correct. The best kind of correct. So um, you have to appreciate the people who are really crunching the numbers to find that stuff out. We, you know what? We love that portion of Falcons Twitter. I, the passion is just un, it's unmatched. It is unmatched, and I, I greatly respect those people for their uh, how how firm they are in their beliefs. I, I will put it that way. So yeah. you're telling me there's a chance, it. yeah. <laughs> so there will be, there will be. But going on to the wider conversation around quarterback, the Falcons have met with all the top quarterbacks at this point. I don't believe they're really interested. I think you have basically said something similar but you know officially this is your take now um do you think you know we're getting a quarterback at eight or some sort of you know wild trade-up scenario at this point lock it in it's like i feel like i'm all deal or no deal right now yeah Yeah, you know you got it this is this is the binding take now so 
you know what? I'm I'm gonna smash the red button right here. No quarterback. No no quarterback. No quarterback. So it's uh, yeah. No, I would I'd be stunned. I would be I'd be very surprised. I, I was telling somebody today. I think they like Anthony Richardson as as a player as a prospect, and I think they're intrigued by him. Um, and you know it's hard not to be with how physically talented he is and. I don't think a lot of people would argue that he's a, a you know a good fit or not that, that he's not a good fit in, in what Arthur Smith wants to do offensively, um, right? Like I, I think it'd be a lot of fun. I think he'd be you know a, a natural fit. Um, you know if if he hits his upside, it'd be a lot of fun. Uh, but I don't really think that's something that they're like, hey, let's trade up for, right? Like I don't think they're actively searching right now, trying to move up. Um, you know, and I feel like when they signed Heineke to uh, 7 million, whatever, I believe it was. And now again, you know, the whole rookie quarterback contract situation with, with Ritter kind of, it's not like it'd be, you know, terrible on, on your cap to have another first round quarterback on the books, but at the same token, your quarterback room gets a little bit, kind of a little bit heavy at that point. Um, and, and so I feel like I would, I'd put the talk to rest on, on quarterback at eight. I, I mean, I'd be, I'd be stunned. Um, but if there's one guy that fell and I, and they like legitimately considered, I think it'd be Anthony Richardson, but I don't think he gets to eight. Um, and even if he did, I'm really not 100% sure they'd actually pull the trigger on it. But, um, how do you feel about that, Kevin? I'm actually very, very curious to hear your take. Yeah, I basically exactly the same. I, I, I don't think a trade up is in the cards. This, this team doesn't really do that in the first round so far, at least, um, mm. And they've shown that they're willing to trade, certainly, um, both down and up. Uh, but more more on day two so far. Um, and so I think that's probably where we'll see that. I, I do think a trade down would be considered. Um, and I do think that it's wise to do the diligence on any of these quarterbacks if they do fall. The, the one that I think they would consider, like you said, is probably Richardson because he fits the archetype so well. And the Falcons wouldn't need to rush him onto the field, which... I don't think Richardson's as far away as some people think, but also Ooh. it would be nice to not need to force him out there this year. Um, so yes, I, I think if Richardson makes it to eight, you would be tempted as any NFL evaluator would by his sort of one of one ceiling, you know, more athletic yeah. Cam Newton basically. Um, but also we can't discount that the Falcons would take Anthony Richardson then Felipe Franks exits, Anthony Richardson moves into the Felipe Franks role. And, you know, this is now the the ultimate plan is that we need, no, not yes. that Florida quarterback turned tight end, this Florida quarterback turned tight end. No. So that, that would be yes. the darkest timeline. So we're not going to, we're not going to talk about that, but. <laughs> yeah, no, that would, I haven't even thought about it like that. You're, you're 100% right. What if Kyle Trask gets the free agency market? He's got a big body. We could just have all the Florida quarterbacks and turn them into an entire tight end room. I mean. With Kyle Pitts there, too. Exactly. We already got the top one, so. Fascinating. Look yeah. at us. I'm well, that's long-term. Long-term. Well, well, call us Falcons. You know, we, we've got the, the long-term plan. The vision is there for that to happen. But uh, I do think, I mean, if Anthony Richardson does fall to eight, too, like, It'll be a lot easier to trade down. So people that want the Falcons to yeah. trade down at that point um, probably has a good chance of happening. But again, like I don't think he's getting past four. Definitely yeah. not. I mean, I think he might not get past three. So it, it seems unlikely at this point. The one that's likely to be there is, well, I don't know that likely is the right word. 50% or less chance that Will Levis is still there. Um, right. I don't, I probably would have Ritter above Levis. On uh, if I was ranking quarterbacks, 
Uh, I was yeah. very high on Ritter, so, you know, take that for what it is. I was also very high on Malik Willis, so, you know, not too, claiming to be yeah. a quarterback expert, but uh, it, I don't I don't think Levis really, like, does anything where I would be like, oh, I would rather have him than Ritter. I mean, his arm's better, obviously, but um, other than that, I think Ritter scored higher in all of my evaluation stuff than Levis, so I, I, I wouldn't see the point of it, but... I know some people think that the Falcons just, they can't possibly be telling the truth. And like, I get that because NFL teams do lie a lot, but like, it seems like with everything that's happened, Taylor Heineke signing all this, that they, there's a chance they might just be telling the truth. You know, all of this quarterback talk just could be a big old nothing burger as, as someone has said in the past. Yeah. And you know what else is really interesting? A part of the whole plan here of, you know, Atlanta's entire regime lying about the quarterback deal is that they've also been lying directly to every free agent who's come on to every press conference and said, like, yeah, like, I mean, Heineke's coming on. Yeah, I'm, I'm here to back up Ritter is what he said. Were the Falcons lying to Heineke when they told him that you're going to be Ritter's backup? Is that part of the plan, too? Are, it's, are we all, doing... it's all part of it. Like they, they told the free agents to go out and lie in their press conferences to convince everyone that they're not going for quarterback for the, with the ultimate goal of, you know, trading down for eight by convincing everyone they're going to take a quarterback and then flipping those picks into a Lamar Jackson trade, then doing all the restructures that we said, you know, to fit him under the cap. You know, this is, this is the plan. I think Um, I'm gonna have to start writing this down because this is getting very complicated. So I can't believe it. Yeah. That's playing chess. That is completely just playing chess. Is is like throwing a smoke screen at your own free agents too. That's that's really a mastermind plan when you really think about it. That, yeah, man. I you know that that would be interesting. Um, it would definitely make everyone very angry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, bold strategy, uh, bold strategy. But you know can't can't fully discount it, I guess. But uh, there are there are other positions in the draft, uh, other players that they're probably much more likely to pursue. Uh, and we could just start with, with eight, but I, I don't know exactly where you're sort of leaning there in terms of your, your top targets at eight. Um, there's a lot of edge guys. People seem to like a lot of corners, obviously the man himself, Bijan. Um, so, you know, where, where are you sort of leading right now with your sort of uh, preferences at eight? Cornerback and Devin Witherspoon is where I would lean right now. If I, um, if I had to make a pick, he would be the guy for me. Um, you know, it's, I think if you look at, you know, the, the body type that historically Steven Jackson has worked with in in the secondary, even Jerry Gray, who's kind of in an assistant role, um, on that side of the ball, um, but worked with corners in green Bay, it's always been kind of the, you know, 5'10", 5'11", 180, 190 type of guys. And and most of the guys they've signed in frequency have fit that same, that same thing as well. Um, and Witherspoon is right in that, right in that mix. Right. And so I feel like Gonzalez and Witherspoon are very, very comparable as far as overall grade and, you know, rankings. I mean, it's probably going to flip back and forth, you know, just uh, from any, any analyst you ask. Right. I mean, it's really, really close between those two guys. And so to me, it's going to come down to personal preference at, at eight. I think if they draft a corner now, I think, on that on that note, I think if Tyree if Tyree Wilson ends up at pick eight, then I think they would run that pick to the podium. I think he is a tremendous fit um, for what Ryan Nielsen wants to do defensively. Uh, I mean, they, I believe he's six five two seventy four um, is what he weighed in at, at the combine. I mean, he's 
twitchy, you know, I, I mean, closing burst in space, I thought was just phenomenal. Um, and, you know, versatile guy plays up and down, uh, up and down the line of scrimmage, dropping the coverage. I mean, he's a, he's just a, a, an all around to me, an impact player. And I think if you're the Falcons, he's the type of guy that you'd want to add into that room. Um, I also don't know that he gets to eight, which is a particular problem uh, for the mock draft community. Um, but again, I think when you're looking at realistic options, I think there's a chance that Witherspoon goes before the Falcons. I, I think the um, Raiders, the pick before Atlanta, are pretty high on Witherspoon, um, which kind of throws another little twist into that plan. Um, but in, in that in that situation that Witherspoon's off the board, I don't think the Falcons would have a problem with Gonzalez, but I do think that would make Bijan, um, our Lord and Savior Bijan, a little bit more um, enticing uh, for some people, but I don't know. I I have tried to stay away from as much Bijan talk as possible. Besides saying that I love Bijan as an as an individual person and as a football player, but um, so officially Bijan, I I would love to cover an offense with Bijan Robinson playing in it and being able to you know hop on press conferences with Bijan. He's just a, a great kid, great guy. I love Bijan, uh, and so so officially I wouldn't be irate with the pick. I will say that, but. Uh, you know, team building me is not like run the pick to the podium if Bijan's there, right? But like it's, I I would lean Witherspoon. To answer the question right now, Witherspoon would be like probably the if I had to put money on it, I would probably lean Witherspoon at this moment. Yeah, and it seems like with their prob with the team probably going to more man coverage, press man coverage. There's no one better than Devon Witherspoon at that. Um, so so going for that wouldn't shock me at all. Uh, he he obviously has the best tape. I mean, you could we could talk all day about Christian Gonzalez and basically that he's the prototype for quarterback and he's an outstanding, just amazing athlete. Um, his tape's not as good as Witherspoon. It's just not. So, um, you know, I, I we on last night's live we talked about with with uh, Eric. It was like, well, do you want the the prototype ceiling or do you want the like ready made probably elite cornerback two in Devon Witherspoon? alongside AJ Terrell, because I think you could make arguments for both. Like, oh, Gonzalez has time to develop into that elite corner because he doesn't have to be CB1 immediately with Terrell here. And with Witherspoon, it's like, well, you already have an elite CB1, so you don't need Witherspoon to be that guy. He could just come right in and, and bolster this. So I, I think there's exciting arguments for both. And I, I do think corner is the most likely position right now at eight to get drafted. Um, yeah, You did mention Tyree Wilson, and I agree. I, I think... I think the edge they're looking for based on their moves is basically Clayus Campbell. Like they would like to yeah. get Clayus yeah. Campbell or Cameron Jordan or whatever, but they would like they, and they did get Clayus Campbell. So that's nice, yeah. but they would like to get a younger version of that player that they can have Clayus Campbell mentor for a year, which would be the perfect scenario. Uh, and Tyree Wilson is, is basically that player. I mean, he's not six, eight, like Clayus Campbell. I mean, no one really is, uh, he is over six, six. So you got that. Uh, right. and then he has almost 36 inch arms, which is just ridiculous Unreal. length. Like, just, so, I mean, 96 percentile, one of, he would have one of the longest arm lengths of any active player, I believe. So, um, you know, it, it, people can say, oh, well, you know, is, is how good is he as a pass rusher on the outside? You're going to have to let him rush from the inside. Yes. 
Ryan Nielsen does this. Like, this is not a scheme where you need to be worried about, well, are they going to just make him play edge all day and never let him rush on the inside? No, they will let him rush on the inside. They will kick him inside uh, because they have the third down specialists outside to do that. They've got Ebikati, they got Malone, they got Lorenzo Carter. So they got plenty of those guys. What they don't have is, you know, the, until they signed Clayus Campbell, they didn't really have that big end that, that Nielsen typically likes. So I think with Tyree Wilson... Can't really think of a better player to have behind Clayus Campbell. Very similar role there. I agree with you that he's not likely to be there. Um, but you take a corner at eight or our Lord and Savior Bijan. And at 44, you're going to have a lot of options at edge, including guys like Keon White uh, and guys like uh, Tuli Tupalatu, who... Neither one is, like, quite the specimen that, you know, Tyree Wilson is. I mean, it's sort of one of one. But both are those big-end type of players that can provide a similar role. Uh, and I, I do like the I do like the edge group at 44 generally better than the corner group. Um, yeah. That's that's there. Um, so I, I wouldn't be upset about that either. But this is – if you need corner or edge on day two, this is a great class for it. So that this is one of those years where we could see something – crazy like Bijan at eight and then they could still get two starters at two big positions of need on day two because that's the strength of this class um and they they were I think very wise to go out and sign on Yamada they were lucky to get Goldman back hopefully um and you know Clayus Campbell for his inside snaps because this interior class is oof like it is not good uh <laughs> no, no, no yeah no but, you know, I, I think it's fun. Uh, you mentioned Keon White. I'm not sure, you know, how much of his tape you've watched. I imagine quite a bit of it, right? Um, the one Keon White play that always comes to mind for me, uh, Georgia Tech had him drop into coverage against Kenny McIntosh uh, against Georgia. <laughs> and he is running. I, he got beat on the route just on, like, the initial acceleration phase of the route. Um, I think it was a, a wheel route for McIntosh. But Keon, after the first probably five to ten yards, runs stride for stride with Macintosh for like 50 yards. And I, I just remember like guys, 285, 290 pounds running stride for stride with a running back. He's really good. And I, I just, when you think about, you know, what he did as well at the senior bowl, uh, Keon's a very, you know, very intriguing player. And, and, you know, you mentioned, you know, play outside can play inside, um, you know, height weight wise. I do believe he's quite comfortable with Cam Jordan. Uh, right. And so to me, if that's the role that you want, you get a, a high upside guy with Keon who can, you know, I don't, I'm not as big on him as many other people are. I, I will admit that. But um, with Keon and with Kalias Campbell already in the, in, in the fold, you got a great mentor, just phenomenal. I, I think that's for me, one of the one things that, that people haven't talked about with Campbell is that he's going to be what well, I pretty much called him a coach who can still, you know, rush the passer at a pretty high level. And so to me, I mean, obviously that's a pretty, you know, great coach, right? If you're a team in need of a pass rusher, but so um, with Campbell, you know, I really think it kind of opens up the possibility for you to get even more aggressive with high upside guys, right? It's why I would love Tyree, um, Tyree Wilson at pick eight, because I really feel like Campbell could really help him out as well. And, uh, you know, obviously Keon White um, really, if you're going to go for an upside guy, we, like, I, for me, if you've got Campbell in the building already and you've got these, terrific pressure guys i mean inside right on yamada taquan graham just tremendous pressure player inside only getting better you got grady jared obviously still you've got the 
outside linebackers with Ebiketti, Malone, Lorenzo Carter. It's a it's a great time for the Falcons to draft a high upside guy at defensive end um, with just a, a freakish athletic profile. And with Tyree, with Keon, that's the type of guy that you're getting. And so I don't think you can really go wrong if you're adding either one of those two. And it kind of sounds like you're on the same page, Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, to me, I do lean, I mean, if Tyree's there, then that obviously takes precedence, but otherwise I think you probably go for either the corner or Bijan at eight, depending on who's on the board there. And then you go for the edge guy at 44. I think that's typically been what I've preferred in mock drafts. I generally like those ones the best um, because I think the corners that are available at 75 tend to be better um, because there's just so many of them. Um, So, and the Falcons, again, with having AJ Terrell, you don't necessarily need to go for one of these CB1 upside guys. I mean, it's nice, but you could go for like a DJ Turner or like a Kytrell Clark or one of these guys that could be more of a CB2 because you have Terrell. You don't have to. You've got your big prototypical outside matchup corner with the bigger receivers. You can go for the speedy guy or you can go for the more specialized guy or um, someone who doesn't have the perfect size profile or whatever out there. And I think you can do that in the third round in this class and come away with a, with a starter in the third round, which is not something you can always do. So um, I would that that's where I lean typically. But um, other options, I mean, uh, like we haven't talked about left guard at all. That seems to be the one spot in the offensive line that's basically not settled. I mean, they seem satisfied with Matt Hennessy, Jalen Mayfield, Justin Schaefer, whoever – they like the best out of that group. I mean, I, do you think it's probably Hennessy is who they're favoring there? Or? Yeah, I I still kind of feel like they might add to it is where I would yeah, lean, but yeah. I, I, I'd feel very confident in that. But I, I think that right now, if, if they had to play a game tomorrow, I think Hennessy would be the guy. I thought, you know, I thought he was actually pretty good uh, when he started last two games of the year. I thought he was pretty, pretty encouraging, actually, um, at, at left guard. And so to me, you know, you throw him out there, his last year the contract obviously from his rookie deal crazy to think about that but um you know it's i think if you if you can get a guy like Hennessy to play at a at a solid level and you don't have to invest like for example you know pick 8 on a Skaronski for example and and play him at left guard if you can get a, another good year out of Matt Hennessy let him walk whatever it might be and you're just going to trust Ledford um, tremendous offensive line coach going uh, you know, but if you're going to distrust him to just coach, just coach up everybody, coach up Mayfield, coach up Hennessy, you know, I feel like there is an argument to be made that you could get a, like a, in, in my personal opinion, Elijah Wilkinson was a mighty fine left guard last year. I did not, when I watched the tape, I was like, this guy looks like an NFL starting caliber left guard. It was not like a, just a, it was not like a Jalen Mayfield 2021 situation where it's just like not not pretty to watch, right? Like it, it was fine. He was steady. He was he held his own. And I feel like if you can get that out of Hennessy with what you've got now, you know, left guard, right guard, or left tackle, sorry, right guard, right tackle. Um, you got obviously Matthews, Lindstrom, and McGarry all coming back. And I expect Drew Dahlman will take a step forward as well. Um, and so if you can get just adequate play out of a guy like Matt Hennessy, I think you're going to be doing just fine. And I think Hennessy proved last year at left guard that he can actually play at a pretty good level. Right. And I mean, the one thing I feel like a lot of people miss with Hennessy is that he was obviously, you know, you were at training camp last year, so you would know, but Arthur Smith talked quite a bit about how Hennessy played well in training camp is what he stressed is that Hennessy didn't lose the job. Drew Dahlman won it. 
Um, and, and so to me with Hennessy, it, it's not necessarily an example of like a Mayfield from last year where, you know, not a good rookie year. Training camp is just rough. You, you know, he gets hurt in training camp, misses, you know, a lot of the year. It's it's not a situation like that. Right. And so with Hennessy, I feel like there's still a chance that he can be a, a, a starting caliber NFL player. Um, and, you know, the more, you know, Fontenot is stressed, if we can keep it in-house, that's what we'd prefer to do. And so I think – I don't think they're in a huge rush because I, I do think that Hennessy, if if he is their week one left guard, I don't think they would hate that. But I, I still would expect them to look to add, um, particularly free agency is where I, I would expect. Um, but how do you feel, Kevin? Yeah, I mean – it. They're not going to be able to do, unless they trade down and pick up like extra day two picks, they're probably not going to be able to do edge, corner, wide receiver, and interior offensive line. They have they can do three of the four, um, right. but they're not going to be able to do all four more than likely. So, you know, if they take Bijan, then, the, you know, it's going to make it even more interesting there. But um, I do think that it, it depends. Like 44 is a total wild card. It really just depends on who falls there. I mean, I think... They will use that pick very similar to the first rounder and that they'll just see who's on the board. Um, it, You know, I, I could see like if John Michael Schmitz is there, which I don't think is going to happen, then they could go that direction. Um, you know, Joe Tipman is really interesting as another guy uh, that could play guard or center. Um, right. You know, Steve Avila, I feel like he's not like the best scheme fit. I mean, I think if right. he loses like 10 pounds, he's probably, I mean, he tested decently well, especially at like 330. So like if he loses 10 pounds, then yeah, he's probably fine for the zone, but not really been his bread and butter so far. Um, so there's cer- certainly some guys there, you know, Chandler Zavala, maybe a little bit later from NC yeah. State is picking up a lot of steam. Um, but at, at this point, it does seem like that's less likely than the other options. Um but I think they're sort of holding off um, either to see if they do get someone in the draft that they like or to just let the competition play out. And then they're going to keep money. They're going to keep resources available to where if they if someone shakes loose in camp that they like better or if things are not looking good at, at, at left guard or, or center or whatever, then they could make some sort of late trade like they did, you know, for Andy Levitri, uh back in the day, yeah. you know, that it's not that hard to get expensive veteran guards uh, off of, of teams. <laughs> like yeah. some of these teams may be itching to trade some of these guys if their own rookies are panning out. So um, they'll, they'll have opportunities to address it, it. But it seems at this point, like they at least are comfortable enough with that group that they have in there. And they did really quickly sign Kyle Hinton when he was waived early in the off season. Um, so they, they seem to like him as well. Um so we'll see, but I, I do think that does show that they have some level of confidence in that group to to get a starter. And look, if they're going to spend money everywhere else on the offensive line, um, except center right now, then then they have to go cheap at at least one spot. Like you can't pay every single player on your offensive line a big contract; it just doesn't work. So, um, right. left guard seems like the one where they're going to try to get value. Um, and I think that's generally a pretty good spot, a pretty pretty good spot to try to, to save money. You know, um, I prefer that to tackle or, or center, obviously. So, um, I think it, I think it could work out just fine. I mean, last year, basically every single player they inserted at left guard was at least serviceable. So, um, with Dwayne Ledford here, you know, it's like, oh, maybe we could actually coach up these offensive linemen. And now with Ryan Nielsen here, maybe it's like, oh, we could actually coach up these defensive linemen. It's amazing. It's a great time, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's uh, really. 
crazy to have player like like legitimate player development people in important places like up front. It's, it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun to actually like draft a, a guy who it's like, hey, he's still like scratching the very base surface of, of what he can become. But we actually believe that we can coach him to the point where he is a legitimate NFL impact player, which is a, a lot of fun. But um, real quick, you mentioned Zavala. I think he is a very, very good fit. Um, he was at the Shrine Bowl, uh, which I, I think is important to point out. Um, and, and so I, I think there is an element of uh, familiarity there that is important. Uh, and so to me, I think that him, if it feels like he's risen into the top 100, you know, talk, um, yeah. whether he ends up that high, we'll have to see. But, you know, he's at a great pre-draft process. But um, I think if he makes it to round four, he is the type of guy, you know, the NC State connection there. I mean, you know, there is yeah. a there's a little bit going on there when you connect some stuff where it's like Zavala would be a logical pick. And, and so to me, uh, I, if you're going to wait and you're going to draft a guy in round four and he falls, cause I feel like it's not a guarantee he ends up going top 100. Right. And so, I, I mean, to me, he would be for sure a name to um, a name to watch is, is where I'll, is how I'll, is how I'll word it for now. But I, I do think <laughs> there is an argument for him, especially, you know, um, round four, or I guess a hypothetical round three trade down if they wanted to, but that's conversation for another day. <laughs> yes, that's that's where we have to start writing down the strategy because uh, there's a lot of moving parts. But um, no, I, I do like Zavala. I think that um, I think that it, it would be wise uh, to consider that, and I, I think that he's a good fit. Uh, like, and and you mentioned all the connections there, so he makes a lot of logical sense for them to add, and they've been pretty. They've been pretty quiet. Uh, they haven't really like gone out of their way to to make it known that they're interested in him. And I, f- fans, right. I think, tend to overrate the visits and things like that. Uh, mm-hmm. I think people you sort of look at them as like, oh, well, this is what teams do to show that they're interested in a player. No, this is what teams do when they don't have enough information on a player. They yeah, if they have yeah. enough information, they don't need to meet with you. So, um, you know, it, it, I wouldn't assume that the Falcons do or don't have. I mean, if they're meeting with them, then obviously they have some level of interest. But if they're not meeting with them, that doesn't mean anything. Like they, you know, haven't met with the top corners. You think that means they're not interested in the top corners? I, I don't. <laughs> oh, exactly. You know, as, as kind of, I guess as, as I don't know how to word this, but I guess as you know, in the media world, we kind of have to report on the stuff of hey, they're visiting with him. Hey, they had a top thirty with him. Hey, they had a top or you know formal uh, interview with him at the combine with you know, whoever. Um, but it is important to, you know, realize that a lot of this stuff right now is just cross-checking information. Uh, you know, Fondo's mentioned that a few times throughout the offseason, like, hey, you know, it's really just we're trying to collect as much information as we can about these guys. And it's really just about, you know, checking this box, checking that box. And I personally, I feel like that's why Anthony Richards is coming, in, right? Because he is a good a good fit, but you have to figure out, you know, how he operates in case, for example, you know, a Trey Lance situation comes up where he's not starting, you know, two years from now, and maybe he's on the trade block, maybe he's not. And you want to know, you know, or I guess there's at least some level of interest in the player, but how is he away from football? Right. You figure that out now. And I think a lot of people kind of don't fully grasp that part of the pre-draft process is just because a guy, you know, just because maybe you won't draft him now, it doesn't mean you're not going to be able to coach him or work with him in the future. And I feel like that's one thing that people don't, um, it just kind of flies over their head sometimes. It's, it's like, it's more than just for now. And, I, I, and, you know, on that note, it's why, 
you know, if you look at lists by year end, they maybe only draft a guy or two that took a top 30, you know? And so um, everybody loves, you know, making the list. I'd make the list. I'm, I know you guys have a list as well. It's very good. I've, I've used that for a long time. So shout out to Falcoholic. Um, but, um, you know, it's not, not for sure a, a great, you know, grasp or a great indicator of, Hey, they love this guy. Cause they had a formal in a, in a, you know, top 30 with them. It's all about information. Yeah. Yeah. It's just part of the process. Uh, not, you know, people, I think people read a lot, uh, too much into stuff sometimes. So, uh, sometimes we don't read enough into other things, but <laughs> all part of the fun, right? All, all part of the fun. Yep. But uh, yeah, Daniel, terrific stuff. Uh, we covered a lot of ground here. Uh, I'm sure we'll hear more from you in the future. Guys, he is Daniel Flick at D Flick Draft on the Twitter. Uh, anything you're working on you want to plug for the people? Um, Yeah, you know, in the coming weeks, we should have um, some fun uh, Matt Ryan content. Matt Ryan was at a Atlanta charity um, a few weeks ago. Um, I've been able to talk with some people involved in that. So that was a lot of fun. Um, shout out Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan and Sarah just had their third child, uh, yeah, three days congrats. ago. So yeah. congratulations to them. Very happy for you all. Hope all's going well. Um, should have some Mohammed Sanu content, Kevin, you know, Oh yeah. A little bit of fun. We'll see about, um, some of that stuff. <laughs> we'll so see when we, we see have, it. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah, for sure. That's a good way to put it. Um, and then also, you know, regular pre-draft stuff, uh, should have some fun stuff coming out from, or some fun draft profiles from stuff I've heard from uh, college teammates and things of that nature. So a lot in the works for sure. A lot, a lot of exciting uh, content coming out. Uh, a lot of, a lot of competition against the Falcoholic trying to, <laughs> no, I, I'm just messing around with you, but uh, this, this yeah. Is the content wars, you know, we have to fight them. You know, this is very no. antagonistic. Yeah, no, you know, and on that note, I feel like a lot of people kind of think of media outlets as rivals, but we're really, we're all friends. So, um, for sure. Love your all's work. Glad to hop on with you all. Would love to come back whenever. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And guys, thank you for listening, watching today to the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. Please like, subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Leave us that five-star review on the podcast platform. Check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash Falcoholic Live as well. We will be back on Wednesday for our first live mock draft on the Falcoholic Live, so you guys have that to look forward to. It's finally here. We've, we've teased it, you know, 15,000 times over the past three months, so it's finally actually happening. Um, so there you go. Uh, <laughs> there, there you go. It's official now. I can't back out. Um, so we'll, we'll see you guys for that. And, of course, the draft party itself uh, coming all three nights of the draft once again. Uh, I was telling Daniel that. I think that was my longest show was was actually the, uh, the third, third day of the draft last year. So um, hopefully they will get rid of their seventh round pick. That's my hope that uh, they'll get rid of those seventh round picks. Uh, but you know that so far they've, they've done it every year. So uh, I'm, I'm holding out hope that it won't be that long, um, but you never know uh, where we're at the mercy of the team here. Maybe they've got those seventh round sleepers. They're just trying to add. So, um, but again, thanks to Daniel for coming on. Thank you guys for watching, for listening. We'll see you next time on the dirty birds and Prues podcast. Have a great day, folks.